Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. It's a show where conversations save lives. This is episode 126. My name is Jeff. Thanks for joining us tonight on the show with me, my great co-host, the guy that I respect as a father, D.W., how you doing, man? Good. Good to be with you. You know, it's fun to talk to just men about men things, and most of the time it turns out being things about relationships and being a good leader, understanding what love is. It's amazing how often the discussion goes that way. And when I'm talking to a group of men, you will see tears swell up in their eyes. I mean, it's important to them. They think it's unimportant. It's not is not really what's happening out there. So it's fun to be able to get together with you, Jeff, and talk about things that are important and just ask those that are listening to evaluate what's being said. I'm with you. I mean, guys are capable of getting emotional, and especially when we talk about things that are really deep in the heart of men, especially fathers. And we've been in this series called The Epidemic. It's part of a book title. There's a book that's out there that's called The Epidemic. It's about raising secure, loving, happy, and responsible children. We've linked this book in our show notes, and it's kind of become our theme for the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about what The Epidemic is. Last week, we talked about how really today in our society, we see young people who lack empathy. There's a lot of other things that go into that. So their job situation, millennials today has been kind of a sore spot. I've seen a lot of blogs, a lot of leadership stuff talking about this next generation of millennials that like every other generation, I'm sure they've just kind of questioned, well, how do I actually engage this next generation? How do I, I don't know if it's the right way to say it, but how do I get them to actually do their job? How do I get them to be productive members of our society? Parents today are asking the same thing. How do I navigate this new world, this digital age, with all these different streams of information? My kids are learning stuff much faster than I ever did. They're picking up things like pornography. There are so many things that are affecting our young people today, and it's not positively influencing them. The positive influences. I have found as a teenager, they're always few and far between. It's always easier to do the wrong thing, to get wrapped up in the wrong stuff, to be around the wrong kinds of people, and because our curiosity, unfortunately, tends to get the better of us, and, and so we end up going down roads that are destructive or dangerous, and we don't even realize it sometimes. So we're talking about an issue among our young people today that has everything to do with parents, and specifically from us, we're going to talk a little bit about fatherhood, and in our experience, both of us, Dave and I, were both dads, and we both don't have it all together, but you know, we've learned some things through the years and I'm interested. I've done a little bit of research on this, Dave, and just looking at the role of dads in the life of a young person, especially a young child, a son or a daughter, dads are pretty important, aren't they? Oh man, critical. And again, I have my own theories on this. I mean, I honestly believe that when I was born, I was a physical part of my mother. I mean, just a physical part of her. And then one day I was born, I came out into this world. And even then, nursing, you know, I was, I was close to my mother. I was, I, it, so there's this attachment to my mother, and every mother has an attachment to their children. I think that it's very unique. And I'm not minimizing that. I think it's wonderful that that's the way it should be. But men, 
you know, my children were not a part of my body. So they have this desire more in many respects to connect with me because with mom, it's almost automatic connection. So they, they come to expect that. But with dad, it seems like, you know what? I got to make a little bit more of an effort and dad needs to make a little bit more of an effort. It is possible for a father not even to be there at the birth of their child. It is impossible for a mother not to be there. So as a dad, what I, what I see is one of the things that I really need to think about is never going passive. Mm. By that, I mean never, never sitting there thinking, well, I don't have a great role and, and what will happen will happen. I'll just trust the, the school, the church, everybody else to take care of teaching my... I, I, when you do that, you end up being a blame guy later because you're saying, well, school didn't do the job and they didn't do the job. Hmm. No, no, I need to take ownership and not be passive. I don't know if that makes sense, Jeff, but as I think of fatherhood, I think, all right, I have to work a little harder at the connection. I have to work a little harder, and my children want that connection, and so they will welcome it, but I need to lead that way. And that's so interesting that you say that because there has been this tendency to kind of model the Homer Simpson fatherhood lifestyle where it's not necessarily being drunk, but there are a lot of guys that end up drinking too much. They're wrapped up in addiction and, and in their own self-interest that they do, in a way, they do shirk that responsibility. They do get passive about kids. Now, this isn't always the case. I looked into some research and I was just kind of like, well... What, it, what is the state of fatherhood? I know Father's Day is not for a couple months away, but you don't have to be on Father's Day to talk about the importance of being a dad. And I, I wondered too, you know, am I just kind of an anomaly where I, I love my kids, I love being around my family. I wouldn't, sometimes you kind of have that struggle of, you know, do I spend too much time with my family? Can you spend too much time with your family? Because I think there can kind of be sometimes an, an idol worship of the family. But I love being around my wife. I love being around my kids. I love having input in their life. I don't necessarily take all the time in the world to pour into them. Like sometimes I feel like I maybe should do more of, but the whole idea of being passive, being a, a passive dad can be easy to do. And so when you say being a passive dad, what exactly does that look like, Dave? You know, it's a disconnect. It's, it's honestly taking the responsibility that I think is God given for me as a dad and passing it off to somebody else and expecting them to take my spot. You know, I mean, I, honestly, the school is not dad. The church is not dad. The baseball coach is not dad. You know, the sports coach is not dad. I'm dad. And I need to act like a dad. And my responsibility is to raise a healthy child with my wife and her umpits. And, and what's really cool about it is that God wired us differently. I said already, society's trying to minimize that, but you shouldn't minimize it. I mean, I'm never going to give birth to a child, and I'm never going to know what that feels like, and my children will never be attached to me like they are to their mother in a natural way. That is okay. That's okay. But what I need to do is understand that my wife has certain inputs with the children. I should have certain inputs with the children, and it's a completeness when we do it together because we see it differently and understand it differently, and together we give a very good perspective. So, yes, it's great that mom spends time with the kids, and, yes, it's great that dad spends time with the kids, but it's important that both do and that mom and dad understand that it's their responsibility, not the schools, not the churches, not the coaches. It's their responsibility to do the best they can can to help their child be successful in life. That means we define it and we talk about it. Some of the things are very simple. I mean, I, I'm encouraging dads all over to have an, a regular dialogue with their children on things that are confusing because the world is confusing. So let's say a, a child is sitting at a computer and they hit a button and something comes up that shouldn't. 
instead of a child hitting, you know, the escape button or something real quick because he didn't want anyone to see it, it's like, what would happen if the dialogue was, hey, dad, what is this? I mean, what, why, you know, now all of a sudden there can be a dialogue and a discussion and dad should take responsibility for that or mom should take responsibility for that. And, and all of a sudden we have dialogues going on and as our byline is we have conversations that go on. And, and what, what really scares me is that there's so many young people growing up that I have these secret lives and not, they don't have anyone to talk to about things. And, and we need to make talking, again, something that's normal among moms and dads and children. Mm-hmm. And that's why even the supper table can be so important as people sit and enjoy supper together and talk or whatever. But um, I, I think passiveness is the opposite of that. You're just kind of, well, whatever. They're going to have a computer. They're in their own room. We're going to make sure that we can isolate ourselves. I got my life. They got their life. I'll, I'll, I hope they don't get in trouble if they do all intervene. That's passive. And you'll know you're in a passive state when you start blaming school, church, other people for the way your children are thinking and doing things, or even television. I've heard parents say, you know, the television influences them. Well, I'm thinking, who's the parent in the house? Turn the television off. Uh, You can't just stay passive. you got to start getting into the life of those you want to influence. And that's so true. I mean, that question comes up, who is the parent? And parenting, don't get me wrong, parenting... Probably the greatest job out there doesn't pay a whole lot necessarily, but it's, it is one of the most difficult jobs because again, you realize, I think Dave, you realize how little control you actually have. And we did talk about this last week a bit on the show, but it's so important to go back to there's very little that we can actually control in parenting in this whole role. So talking about fatherhood, Dave, there's a shift and it's not just us talking about this society in general is expecting more from fathers, but even more than that, fathers are actually expecting more from themselves today. And I'm I'm so glad that there are other people that view this and that see it this way because being a dad is important. And we're going to talk about this on the show tonight. And you do not have to be a dad to relate to this because every one of us in some way has had a father, a father figure, a father in our life. I mean, there's a reason why we're here. It's because there was a man and a woman one day. We're not going to get into that, but we are going to jump on the tweet back right now. So join us on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTV. And this conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Join us on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Hang out with us on Twitter. You can also check out our show notes for tonight's episode on our website, HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW with you tonight here on the show. And Dave, we're talking about a, a very difficult topic for some people to talk about, a very hopeful conversation I think we can have about dads. And we've been on this discussion of the epidemic and how today's kids, this generation, in some ways lacks empathy and has a difficult time showing, you know, that they are secure in handling responsibility in today's. We see a lot of dysfunction in today's generation. It's not a new thing, but the role that dads play in that um, is huge. And especially when a kid is developing, when they're, you know, young, my kids, two and four years old, there's a lot of stuff going on in their minds. They're, you know, learning new things. They're experiencing new things. It's like every single day, something is new for them. At least I hope that's the way it is for my kids. And, you know, it's it's fun to kind of look at your kids when they're young, especially if you're a dad out there, a mom out there, and, and you're thinking back, you know, to those young ages. It's just fun to see them absorbing 
life as it came to them. You know, different situations, uh, challenges. I know my four-year-old likes to figure things out. And so there's kind of this this tension of perfection within him where he's like, you know, he's he's he wants to do things independently, but then there's a point to him where I, I see this starting up where he's thinking, I can't do it well, and so I need dad to do it for me, or I need mom to do it for me. And one of the most difficult things for parents to do is figure out when to have their hands on and when to have their hands off and to do things for the kids versus let them struggle, let them do it. And in this book, The Epidemic, Dr. Shaw talks about how what happens today in our our culture, in our society, is that parents are circumventing that frustration for kids. Like, they don't want kids to feel or sense frustration because that will negatively impact them later on in their life. And the research, though, doesn't back that up. And I think a lot of parents, I'm guilty of this too, is trying to figure out when do you do things for your kids versus when do you allow them to be frustrated? Did you ever have that tension when you were a dad? Oh, all the time. I mean, honestly, all the time. That, that, that's so normal for all of us because we know that we need to train that next generation. But without failing and, and failing healthy, th- there's going to be bigger trouble down the road. Children need to learn that they make mistakes the first time they do things, and we need to let them, and then they can sort things out better later rather than waiting for us to tell them how to do everything. Um, I, I remember I wanted my, my daughter to learn how to cut the lawn on a lawn tractor. I forget what age. She was pretty young. And I thought, okay, you know, I gave her all the lessons, and she did it. I am dying in the house, Jeff. I am dying watching her. Yeah. She's missing this patch of grass and that patch of grass. I mean, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm just dying. <laughs> And you know what? I did the worst thing a dad could do. That was the last time she ever cut the grass. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I, I had to go out there and cut it myself. Now, my dad was a better dad than I was. He he, he would have let me fail and, and just said, you know what, next time you got to get those patches over there. And I mean, and learn how to do it. But I think that tension is always there for people. What I like to do is think about what, and let me ask you this, Jeff, what is God committed to when he looks at you? Well, I would say life. I mean, okay. Knowing from Scripture, he gives me my breath. Okay. So sustaining life, that's a, a big part of it. And he's committed to your best. By definition, God is love. Yes. So so he's looking at you saying, I want, here's the deal. He knows like every potential that you have that's good. He knows why he created you. He knows all your talents and abilities. That's not like me or you, but that's God. And And he's committed to bringing those out of you. In other words, all the good stuff that he made for you, He's committed to bringing those out of you. Now, what's really interesting is how he does it. He can do that through illness. He can do that through, I mean, there's, he has the array of everything to use to do that. And, and God will allow us in our humanness to fail at things, to get sick, to go through hard times so that we can learn. He will, because he's committed to our learning and us becoming who we should become. And I think that's the difference for me as a human dad. I I am committed to that too, but I think sometimes I'm more committed to not hearing somebody whine (laughs) or having somebody go through a hard time or not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I want them to be successful, but I also want them to be like comfortable all the time. And I also want them to like their dad all the time. Do you realize how many times God does something and he puts himself in a position where we could be mad at him? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, how many times, especially when you talk about pain, you talked about, you said one thing that was significant. You know, he has a lot of tools, as you will, at his disposal. Right. And one of those is he allows us. I don't think he's a source of disease and illness and that sort of thing, but I think he allows that Mm -hmm. in our life. And we always have a response to our situation. And I think for dads, a lot of times that is something that 
you know, when you're going through a painful situation, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's even your relationship with your spouse, um, things that are going on that are not comfortable or not fun to talk about, it affects you. You know, it, it really does. It challenges you to your core because you, again, you're realizing that you have no control over this, yep. but you're trusting in a God who does have control over it. And the response is not what you are hoping for in that moment. Like you just wish it would just go away right. because it's causing you a lot of frustration or pain or agony. Yeah, you know, the thing that gets me through it when it's hard is the idea that God is committed to me. Hmm. And I know that, but I don't understand it. Yeah, Jeff, have you ever had to discipline your children yet? Oh, yeah. Do they understand why? Do they really like you when you do it? They don't like when I do it, but I am right. intentional on if I have to, if I have to actually, you know, give them a, a potch on their wrist or yep. just a pat on their bottom, like I have to, I have to explain to them, right. you know, here's, here's what I expect. Here's what you did. Here's what I expect. And so the whole disciplined parenting is, is a challenging topic because, yep. you know, there's a lot of different theories out there, but I do believe that if there's a short time of pain, it will help you steer yep. you back. For, from long-term pain. You know, my kids are older, but, but I can have painful discussions with them, and my brain goes to this with them. I'm your dad. You know what? You know that I am committed to you. Yep. You know that I want what's, what's best for you. Therefore, I stand on what you know about that. I'm not standing on perfection like God. That's the whole difference. That's why getting mad at God doesn't make any sense, because he's actually doing it right, even though I don't see it. Uh, I may not be doing it right, but the one thing I do have as a dad is, is that I have it in my heart that, that my children become the best that they can become. So I know this. They can walk away from me mad today, but they can't say you're not my dad. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yep. You know? And so I need to step up to the plate and use the position. Likewise, I've told uh, young, especially if a young lady comes to me and their dad's uh, strain a little bit, and they want to talk to him about it, but they don't know how, I, I look at them and I tell them, do you know how important you are to your dad? Go talk to him. You're his daughter. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he can say, well, I'm mad or whatever. And no, 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 no. You got. Some, you are his daughter. You can, you need to go say this. He, he, you'll always be his daughter. I mean, there's these positions in life that, that are assigned to us that we can't get out of. <laughs> and it, being a dad is a position I can't get out of. Now, I, I could be self-centered and have fathered children, run away, that kind of thing. I'm still their father. You know what I mean? I can't get out of that. Those that understand their personal responsibility then, they live in the context of that responsibility and they realize that Dave Wager as a dad needs to be committed to what's best for his kids. Not what's best for Dave Wager, but what's best for his kids. And my kids somehow need to pick up on that. And even when I make a mistake, which God doesn't, but when I do, then I think they're much more understanding of that because they understand my commitment to them. And so I need to tell them, and I have, Jeff, in the past, when they were younger, I, I would look at them when it was a difficult situation, and I'd say, you know what? I am I am a flawed human being, but I am your dad, and I love you, and I'm making this decision. And if it's wrong, I'm sorry. But that's my intent is to help you not hurt you. And you know what? They have responded to me well with that with a hug, like, okay, fine. You know what I mean? They understand that. But see, I took time like you did to communicate that mm -hmm. you know it's like i am committed to you and 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 here's what i think i need to do because of it and now you need to let me do it you know i mean you can be mad at me i'll let you but you gotta let me do it and by the way i know at the end of the day i'm still your dad you know one of the things that dads are good for are good dad jokes so i have uh -huh. a joke for you dave all right 
What do musicians use to play longer notes? <laughs> I have no idea. An extension cord. <laughs> Think about it. We'll be back here with more on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, DW with you tonight here on the show, talking about life as dads. We're dads. We've gone through life itself and parenting and being a dad, and I don't think you ever stop being a dad, but this can be a difficult conversation for some people because for some of our listeners, I know that you're out there, you're listening, and and the whole idea of dad is a difficult topic. Dad may not be involved in your life. Dad just might be absent for one reason or another. Dad might be distanced. So the idea of this, a relationship with dad, is a difficult topic. So if this brings up any emotion, any anything in your life that's painful, conversations do save lives. You can go and chat with a live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. We're glad that you've joined us here tonight on the show. If you miss any part of it, do go back and subscribe on the podcast. We'll talk about that as we go on later in the show, how you can get the show and share it with your friends and a lot of you know great conversations that we have, Dave. And this one is no different. Being a dad is a challenge. Being a dad in my own family, it's it's not always easy. It seems like maybe I have it all figured out, I have it all together. I can't tell you how little I feel like I have it all together a lot of times, especially as a dad. I know some things, I know a lot more than they do, and I have to let them figure some things out for themselves. That in itself is hard to do. I want my kids to be responsible when they grow up. I want them to love people. I want them to love God. I want them to serve God. I want them to, you know, I have dreams for my kids, but I have to understand there's got to be a part of me that understands that I get to shape that. And thankfully, there are a lot of guys today, a lot of friends that I know that feel that same way, that I have to be an active part in my kid's life. It's always easier to do things yourself than to let your children do them and fail. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. But there's value in letting them do it and fail. And that's what you have to learn. I remember I was talking to some college students once. We have the Nicolay Bible Institute program here. And part of their program is not, we do, we want them to learn the Bible, obviously, and be mentored. But we also want them to learn how to die to themselves and serve people. And so they'll do different jobs. So actually, while they're here, people that, that have come up, you know, high school kids that are now in college or people went to college and are, you know, coming for a year of Bible and service like that, they, they've never touched a chainsaw. Hmm. So we, you know, we're in the woods, and and part of our goal is to give them all these various experiences. So we might teach them how to run a chainsaw. I'm telling you, it's painful for me to watch that. I, you know, I, I, I could cut wood like I'm, you know, I've I've heated my house with wood for over 30 years, and I know how to do it. And I'm watching them on their first one, and I'm thinking. But then I remember my first time on a chainsaw. My first time was I took the chainsaw, started it. It was my first purchase, by the way. I'll show you my mind frame. Uh, when I had a job, I went and bought a chainsaw. <laughs> and, and, and I took it, and I was actually moving it back and forth like a handsaw while I was doing it. <laughs> and my dad was just smiling, looking at me like, nice. You know, I mean, the thing is, Dave, you don't have to do that. It does this sign for you. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you learn that, but you have to go through those experiences. I mean, you could, I remember a, a camp was getting a, a tractor. Now, I have driven cars with, you know, stick shifts and all that, you know, all my life. And so the, the, the guy pulls up with his tractor and he looks at me and he goes, so you know how to uh, work the transmission on that? And I go, of course. <laughs> and I got on it and I didn't know how to work the transmission on that. I mean, <laughs> did, did you know, and farmers that are listening will laugh, but did you know that in tractors you don't shift it like one to two to three? You just put it in the gear and leave it there. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you do. You don't <laughs> go through one, two, three, four. It's like, well, if you're on the road and you want to go faster, you start in four or something, and then you leave it there. If you're going to be in, you know, if you're going to be in the field, you just start in one and leave it there. Mm. And I'm thinking, you know, so I back it off and I, and I start to take it. I put it in one and I clutch it to put it in two and I'm grinding things. <laughs> metal's flying everywhere. You know, and, and the guy's looking at me going, I thought you said you knew how to drive. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do. But you know what? I never made that mistake again either. So yep. it's one of those things where, you know, it, I was talking to the students one day, and they said, well, we do all this work around here. And I remember I looked at the person that said that and said, honestly, if you weren't here, we'd get more done. <laughs> and yep. and they looked at me like, we're offended. Mm. And I said, wait a minute. Let me explain something to you. It's painful to watch you cut wood. By the time you're learning to do two logs, I could have that tree cut up, chopped, and stacked. It's not that we have you here to do wood. We have you here to teach you. And if you weren't here, we'd be staffed totally different, and we'd be doing things much quicker because we'd have people that actually know how to do it. But but teaching takes a lot longer, and it takes people to just bite their tongue and stop and let somebody make a mistake in a controlled environment so that you can teach them or they will never learn. And that's our role as a parent. And I'll bet you, Jeff, you could look back even on the young lives of your boys already and say, yes, I have seen that where I just have to back off and let this happen. And I could do it much better. If you tell one of your kids to clean up after themselves, can you clean up faster and better? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Because generally what ends up happening is they just smear. Right. There are so many, there are probably young people that are like, yeah, I'm not going to have kids because it's just messy and yeah it's totally messy but there's so many great rewarding parts about being a dad too so you teach them how to chop wood sure it's painful at first and and that's something that i think is so important to bring up because a lot of times us dads were just like well i could do it i could do it 10 times faster you know well you gotta let them do it and what's interesting then is when you get older and your back hurts they know how to do it and they can do it as good as you know yeah and, and they do because they have the good back at this point. So, I mean, it's it's really looking at understanding what the long term is. There is no way to teach somebody if you're going to continue to coddle them and make sure they don't make mistakes. Hmm. You, you, but but here's what a good teacher does. They, they put them in controlled environments so that when the mistakes are made, they're not disastrous. Yeah. You know, I mean, the person I'm teaching a chainsaw to, they're going to have chaps on and a helmet on. They're going to have all the protective equipment. They're going to, I'm going to teach them all the safety stuff and I'm going to be standing there watching them. You know, it, it, the thing I can't do is when they're cutting is to stop and just say, let me put my hands on yours and do it. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Because they have to have the feel for it kind of thing. And once they get the feel for it, when they're done with their first tree, I'm going to have them shut off the saw for a second and say, all right, did you notice, I mean, what was your frustration? They said, well, this and that. I said, yeah, you know what? You're cutting the tree, but you don't have your finger on the trigger, so you're not going full RPM, so you're not getting the full. No kidding. Yeah, you really need to go full RPM yeah. on that. Uh, or or I'll see them struggle and, and because the first cut, they let the, the chain hit the dirt, and the, and it dulled the whole chain. Hmm. And because you can't hit the dirt once, you, you hit it once, it's dull. Yeah. So then now they're cutting and it's like, man, I can't get through this log. The, you went through it quickly. I can't get through it. Boy, you have the technique. And I looked and said, well, you hit the dirt. <laughs> I said, just once? 
Yeah, just once. There's stones and stuff in there. I, I went out with a guy, and I was trying to get him wood. He, he didn't know how to get it, and I went out with him. And, and he had a chainsaw somebody gave him, and I had mine. And so I was on a wood pile that I'd created, and I was cutting. I looked over there, and I'd cut up, like, oh, two sticks or something already, which was two big logs. And, yep. and uh, he, he hadn't got one done yet. <laughs> and I looked over there, and he's a big, nice guy and everything. And, and I walked over there and said, you know what? Your chain is dull. He goes, what? This is... I said, no, nah, it's okay. I... I actually keep a spare saw because I get mine stuck. Here, take this one. And I just gave him mine. He cut through it. Now, what's interesting is because uh, he had to learn, he thought, oh, your saw is so much better. So after we were done, he went and bought a saw just like mine. Hmm. And I thought, no, I told you it was a chain. You know what I mean? It, oh, forget it. I mean, now you got two saws, and, and that's okay. But, you know, the bottom line really is that's how you learn. Hmm. You, you have to go through those experiences to learn. And, and I wouldn't call anyone dumb. I wouldn't make fun of anyone. Everybody has to learn how to do this. And once you learn, and it is painful for some people, the guys still that watch me chainsaw, I'm not very good at sharpening it by hand yet, but some guys are. And when they watch me sharpen it by hand, the reason I have not learned yet at 60 years old, they will not let me. <laughs> they, they see it and they take over and say, no, that's not how you do it. How you do it. And they do it so fast and it's done. I go, thanks. Yeah. Now I don't know how to do it. Hmm. Somebody teach me, please. Yeah, we need people to teach us. We need dads to do that. And fathers today are expecting more from themselves. And we're going to talk about some of the realities of today's fathers in the second half of HopeNet Radio and how you can continue to tweak your approach to being a dad just from our own experiences, some of our shortcomings, some of our own failures, and even what some experts say will help you to be a better dad. So keep it here on HopeNet Radio. Chat with the live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Glad you joined us here for the show. If you missed any part of this conversation, do subscribe to the HopeNet Radio podcast. And you can do it on your favorite podcasting app. Simply go to HopeNet360.com slash podcast. And you can subscribe there. Leave us a review on the service that you use. Because when you do that, it helps other people to find the show. And hopefully have some great conversations in their world. This show... Is all about conversations that save lives. And so if you're just tuning in, our show tonight is about being a dad. We're talk, We're looking at this book called The Epidemic, and it's by Dr. Robert Shaw. We've linked in his book in tonight's show notes. It's a continuation of our series called The Epidemic, and how today's young people, many of us, are dealing with issues that our parents never dealt with at a young age. And not just issues related to maybe mental health or thoughts of suicide, depression, that sort of thing. I think those have always been there to some extent. And maybe there are more studies that are happening today about teen depression, teen suicide. Even young adults who are going through life today and they're finding out some things about life that were like, wow, I didn't really realize this, that I would be dealing with this this early in my life. And so there's you know just a tendency to be you know, having a lack of empathy in today's generation. A lot of young people don't know how to do some basic things. They were talking in a break about a young person that you knew. You've been helping young people get into adulthood for many years, and I'm sure that has not been any stress to your life, has it? <laughs> you know what I told you earlier? It's always easier to do it yourself. 
But when you look back in life, you realize somebody allowed you to make mistakes. I mean, they allowed you to make mistakes. And I, I mean, here at camp, one of the things that we do at Silver Birch Ranch is really teach young people how to do things they've never done. I don't know how many people we've taught to drive a dump truck or to uh, uh, shift a manual car or, you know, to be a lifeguard or to even swim or to ride a horse for the first time. I mean, camp is like full of first-time experiences, both for the workers and the campers. Hmm. And so you need to realize that in first-time experiences, there's going to be really, really silly mistakes that were made. And you you can do the best you can to educate and help, but you still need to allow them to go through that. It's kind of like college. If you went to college in the field of education and you came out as a fifth grade teacher and you walk into the fifth grade classroom and the first thing that happens to you is a kid spits in your face. You know, it's like, wait a minute, what did the book say about this? (laughs) Right. It's like, you know what? You just didn't get prepared for that yet. Yeah. So now what you have to do is start letting your experiences pile up. And you need to realize, people have come to me now at my age, I've been here 49 years, and they've come and they said, man, you, you know a lot. And I'm going, you know, actually, I don't know that much. I've experienced a lot. There's a little difference. Hmm. I've experienced kids spitting in my face. You haven't. I've experienced teaching kids how to drive a stick shift. Many of them, you haven't done that. So so it's just experience. It isn't really um, that I actually know what to do. It's that I've failed enough already in something. Mm. That, that I now have a plan for it when it arrives. And, and sometimes that's what we fathers are doing is you may not know how to teach your kid everything about how to be responsible or athletic, whatever, but, but you need to put them in a position where that can happen if that's important. And then you need to let some lessons be under control where they fail and then move on from there. I told you a story. There's a boy up here once that we were trying to teach him how to drive back up a truck. And he, he backed up a truck, but he had the, the passenger side door open. And in the process, he hooked the door on a, on a small tree and, and just jarred it, you know. So then he pulled forward and he, he tried to close the door. It wouldn't close all the way. And, he, and then he, he needed to back the truck up still. So he got in and believe it or not, he left the driver's side open and, and he backed up and he caught that door on a tree. And and now neither door shuts. And he drives the truck over by me and goes, Dave, I made a mistake. <laughs> yes, you did. It's like, what, what, what's the mistake? He goes, well, neither door shut. And I look at him, they're both, you know, jarred and can't shut them. I'm going, no kid, what'd you do? And he told me, and I am trying not to laugh, Jeff. I'm trying to, I'm thinking, oh, yeah. man. Yep. You know, I'm not going to cry. I've been around too long. At the end, I said, so what'd you learn? And he said, well... I really learned that I need to pay attention that the doors are shut when I'm backing up something this big. I said, okay, let's get it fixed. You know I mean? Let's get it over there, talk to mechanics. And, and the other part is being responsible. Go tell the mechanics you did this. Yep. Now, the mechanics may come to me privately and say, when are you going to stop this nonsense and make sure people don't do this? You know, because they have to fix it all. And, and I sit there and say, well, a lot of times we have the kid in on fixing it. You know I mean? That's just part of what we'd like to do if we can. But the other thing is it, it will never stop. I'm sorry because what we do is teach. I don't care if you're teaching chainsaw truck driving. Believe it or not, Jeff, we had somebody come up here once, and we told them to go put gas in a vehicle, and they told us, I don't know how to do that. I've never done that. What? Yeah. Really? So, you know, dads, if you're thinking about this, or any teachers or leaders, don't laugh at that. Be thankful they told you they never did it. Yeah. So I am biting my lip at this point. <laughs> like, you're kidding me. <laughs> but I'm not going to laugh. I'm going to take it serious. So I put my arm around and said, okay. You know what? Let's go show you how to 
do this gas thing. And the whole time I'm thinking, no kidding. Mm -hmm. This is not that difficult to do. You could just do this by watching somebody else do it. I think what we have to do is understand that there are children that will not tell you, I've never put gas in a car. They're going to go throw gas all over the place because they just don't want to say and, and sound silly. I'm glad he said it. I've had young people come to me, Jeff, and, and say, I'm a boy. I, I struggle with liking boys. Good. I'm glad you talked about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Conversations save lives. We need to open up these conversations. And those who are listening to us, if you're wondering about something, and you're, you know, you're just not having anyone to talk to. We have, you know, live coaches that are waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. Go there and click on the live coach button and talk. Because this is, this is what we have to do both as dads, as friends, as teachers, as church, I mean, open the dialogue, allow people to say, here's what I'm, where I'm at, what I'm doing, and, and then put it in a controlled environment the best we can. And in some cases, the controlled environment is just having a discussion about it after it's done and, and talking about how to fix it in the future kind of thing. Yeah. And we could do that. And, and dads need to not be passive and just say, oh, well, kids will be kids. You know what? Some do accuse me of, of being too patient that way. Uh, through the years here, but they don't really realize what I do behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, I am working with that person if they make a mistake to try and teach them never to do that again. But I don't have to work that hard at it once they make the mistake. But it's not like I just turn the other way and say, oh, well, it just happened. No, it, it needs to be used as a lesson or it's a waste. You know, the interesting thing about dads, two to three centuries ago, the dads' roles were primarily to be breadwinners and people who conveyed moral values and religious education to their kids. But when jobs started to boom, when the industrialization revolution happened and urbanization happened and you had factories and guys worked longer hours, most dads became distanced from their household and their families. And I think we're seeing the effects of some generational things that have happened. And I know growing up, you know, my dad, I think my dad parented like his dad did. His dad was in the war, in World War II. And so even in a, a wartime generation, fatherhood changed. Fatherhood was, you know, dads were distanced. Dad were, dads were gone. Right. Like they weren't even coming home. They weren't, you know, they'd be gone for a year, right. two years, maybe longer. Right. And even the effects that that can have on a young child. Um, I know they call it the baby boomer generation because what happened is they all came back from the war, those that survived, and they came back and they just had kids. Yep. And so it was like this huge boom, this population boom that happened and became a large generation very quickly. But what still what happened was dads were disconnected. And sadly, we still see some of the effects of that kind of parenting because dads would just kind of let things go. They would just let things slide. They didn't know how to be a dad because their experience was much different. It was, you know, you couldn't even trust kids. You know, if you, had, you, you were serving in the Vietnam War, boy, they had some really crazy things happen there, things that you wouldn't wish anybody would be able to see. And those kinds of experiences have scarred dads for life. That it, It's just anyone that's been in a wartime situation and a wartime environment, it's not pretty. War is a terrible, terrible thing, and, and I hope we can avoid it in future years to come because, again, generations are affected by a lack of parental units, even moms. You know, so this is a very, it can be a very difficult conversation to have because for some of you, you've grown up in those environments and it's very real to you. And so we want to talk about this in a way where it's healthy, where it can bring up maybe some pointers, some ways to help you be a better parent to your kids. And you have kids now and you're thinking, my parents weren't very great parents. How am I going to, how am I not going to fall 
too far from the tree here. How am I going to branch out and actually do something great for my family? I can relate to that. I want to be, I don't know how I do it, but I want to be a better parent than my parents were to me. I don't know how that's possible. I had great parents, uh, but some of you are thinking, oh, I, I, I had a very difficult childhood growing up. And so it's a very real thing to you. How do I parent better than my parents did? We're going to talk about that when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Join us on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Great conversation going on there. What does it mean to be a dad to you? So if you're a dad listening or you're a single man out there and you're thinking about fatherhood one day, what would an ideal dad look like to you if you had to paint a picture of fatherhood it's great to be with you on the show tonight. And Dave, you mentioned something earlier in the show, and I, I resonated with it. Our kids didn't have a choice in who they had as their dad or their mom. And so if you're a dad out there, your kids didn't have a say in who their dad would be. And you, on the other hand, didn't have a choice really in the matter of you know, a, a conscious decision on what kind of kid you'd have, if you'd have a boy, if you have a girl, what they would become, what they would do. There's very little control. You realize very quickly that there's something else going on. There's someone else at work here in in this life that we live. There's a lot that I can't control. And so one of the things that I come back to as a dad when I speak to other dads is just keeping in mind that no matter what, you're their dad. You know, and you talked about that same thing that I'm I'm their dad. And that's something to me that's like it's a very interesting thought. Nobody else can be dad to my kids. Right. I mean, they could do dad like things, but nobody else can be dad to my kids. Yeah. Like that's an interesting thought to me because then it it always brings responsibility back to me that in some way I'm responsible for how my kids grow up and what kind of adults they they live like and, and what kinds of things they do and just even some of their own basic things like security, feeling secure in themselves, confident in their giftings, confident in understanding how to do life. I mean, it's really an interesting thing when you begin to think about it as a dad that I get to be a dad. And that's that's a very sometimes overwhelming thing, a humbling thing for sure. And then the question comes to mind, how can I be a better dad to my kids than I had? Have you ever thought that? You know, yeah, and, and I really had a great dad. My, my dad did not have a good dad, but, but I did. And it's pretty much he decided to do, I think, opposite everything his dad did, and that made him a great dad in, in many respects. But, you know, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, we don't have a choice as far as who our dad is. I mean, that, that happens. But every dad has a choice of whether they'll be responsible or not. And really... What we have is, is sometimes children um, that try and compete for our attention. They try and compete for time with us. We shouldn't allow that to happen. There's no competition for that. And, and, and the way they do that, they become unhealthy. They, they try and do things to get our attention, whatever, and try and live up to a certain way, and, and hopefully we're proud of them and that kind of thing. You know, they, we should have a dialogue with them and talk to them about the fact that we're thrilled that there are children, that God made them, etc., on a regular basis. And, and they don't have to work at us uh, telling them that. Now, the, the thing is, a lot of times we don't know how to do it, so we lie to them. We, they play the piano, and we think, oh, man, you're better than most professionals, or whatever. It's like, no, they're not. You know, I mean, you can tell them, man, you got a long way to go here. But, man, do I love that, that you're trying, or whatever, and I think there could be... I mean, there's ways that we can affirm our children, and we should do that on a regular basis. 
we should affirm them, but affirm them in the truth. Hmm. And they shouldn't have to work at getting our approval. Yeah. That's something that causes them, if, if they don't get the approval from us then, then they move and they start you know, get approval from some, if it's a girl, some boy at school or some, you know, someone else or some mm-hmm. other adult or whatever else. Now, that doesn't mean that outside influences aren't important. I think the church is very important and that significant other adult relationships are critical because any child that grows up, one of the things that we do is work towards getting this child independent which means there has to be a time where they understand their independence from mom and dad. Mm. And in that time period, we hope that the church and others who love God will step up and be the influencers in their, in our children's lives. Because as that happens right, eventually they come back and they enjoy being with us again. I mean, it, it's just a normal part of life, and we can't get too scared when that stuff happens. You know, the interesting thing about some of the research that's been coming out in the last 20 to 30 years, there's been more of a focus on being a dad. And the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development found in a survey that fathers tended to be more involved in caregiving, raising their kids when they worked fewer hours than other dads, when they had a positive, they had positive psychological adjustment characteristics, whether it's high self-esteem or lower levels of depression and hostility and coping well with other major tasks of adulthood. They also talked about mothers that worked more hours than other mothers. That contributes to dads being more involved and mothers that reported greater marital intimacy. So the reality is if you are a dad and you're treating your wife well, that you are actually having moments of intimacy, let's put it that way, if you are actually engaged in your marriage relationship, that also brings about healthy parenting and child rearing. And that's an important thing too because sometimes it's so easy as a dad to neglect in some ways your marriage. You kind of focus on the kids. You know, you think you're taking care of your kids when you focus more on your kids. But some of the research that's been happening is that there's more security that is transferred or translated to their child when they see their parents loving each other and just being around each other and treating each other well. Date night is still a very important thing for married couples. Yeah, that is so true. I I don't know that research. I didn't read it. But if you were to come to me, Jeff, and you were to say, can you list, you know, the top couple things in life that, that you've learned make you a good dad, the number one thing would be love your wife. That alone is a model to children on how life should be. And that gives them exactly what that research is talking about. Stability gives them hope. It gives them for the future. They don't feel like the family's going to fall apart. It is so important that I love my wife. And I do that in a way where my kids understand that I love my wife. And, and that is very critical for their upbringing. So that's part of being responsible. We're talking about, you know, dads need to be responsible. What doesn't work is when you use women, create babies and take off. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. And, and we see a society that's that's blemished by that. However, at the same point, when we love their mothers, it's incredible. And those kids that are growing up that, that just don't have that opportunity because that's happened to them, those of us that love God and are, are dads, we need to start being dads to some of them mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, it's not a perfect situation, 
but it certainly is better than having uh, no influence at all in their life like that. Yeah, and we talk about this. I love your analogy. You have a little acronym called SOAR, that every child needs to have significant other adult relationships in their life. Yep. And that impacted me. I had some significant other adult relationships in my life growing up. I still have that. You're one of those, Dave. I mean, there are other adults in my life that helped to shape my moral character and even, you know, help me stay on track from some of the storms that come up in life, you know, to honor God and to live for him even when I don't feel like it. So just because you're a dad, just because you're an adult, as kids, sometimes I felt like adults were just people that had life figured out. And as I became an adult myself and then as I became a dad, I realized quickly that it's very, very difficult to have life figured out by yourself. And you need to be in community. You need to be around other dads. You need to be engaged in a community that will help you to be a better dad. But not just that, but also figure out the faith side of it. Because again, much of parenting, much of dad life, as I like to quote on social media, use that hashtag dad life, that I'm so inadequate as a dad oftentimes. But there are a couple things that I really want to instill in my kids, and I I hope they get that. I hope maybe someday they come back and listen to the show, because what I really want for my kids, I don't want them to be like me. I mean, I know they're they're going to be like me, but I don't want them to be like me. I want them to be like their real father, like God. And I want them to be focused on what that means to live a life after God and just take God at his word. I was a kid. I grew up and I just trusted people. I trusted my mentors that said, you know, you just need to love God and love other people. And I was like, well, that seems really simple. But I've always come back to that. If I just, if I love God, my life will fall into place situations. I'm not saying it's perfect, but what I'm saying is when I relinquish the responsibility of the control of my life and my path and wherever I see myself going, when I give that over to God and I just trust him with it, life just tends to work out better. I don't know why. I don't know what the research is on that. But all I know is I've had great success because I haven't necessarily tried to be like my dad, but I've tried to just love God and I've tried to stay focused on him, stay involved with my church family, stay involved with other Christian guys in my life and surround myself with what I would call the right people and then try to be the right person for other people to help raise them up and to show them an example. So I take seriously the role in faith in even dad life, but even in my own daily life. And that's what's helped me. I don't have a real magic prescription for you on that. Be a part of the conversation right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will wrap up when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff Dita with you tonight here on the show. Tonight's show is called The Epidemic. It is part two in our series based around the book by the same title, The Epidemic by Dr. Robert Shaw. His book link is in our show notes at hopeneth360.com. And there we're going to post some just some helpful tips. Tonight we've been talking about being a dad and the role of fatherhood. I know Father's Day is not for a couple months. It doesn't matter. The reality is I'm a dad, we're a dad. Part of the epidemic that we're seeing among young people is not just teen depression or even teen suicide so much, but some of the causes that are leading our young people into moments of despair tend to come off of relationship with families. Now, family dynamics are different for everybody. Every single family is going to do something different. Their life is going to be different. Their relationship, I mean, a marriage relationship itself is different. If you're even in a marriage relationship, families can exist 
in many different contexts, different forms. You know, you may not even have parents in your life. Maybe you're living with grandparents and aunt and uncle. So the whole idea of family, this could be a very difficult thing for you to talk about because you might be in a non-traditional family setting, as it were, where you've got a mom and a dad, they're living together, they're having, you know, intimate relationship. I mean, it's just that that is kind of the picture of the normal family. You know, you've got a husband and a wife, one and a half kids, a white picket fence, a dog, a cat, you know, whatever. I mean, there's, there's kind of that out there American dream. And yet today there's a shift happening. The role of parents has even changed dads. Like I said before, not only does society expect more from dads, but actually dads, fathers are expecting more from themselves. And more research has been done over the last 30 years than they've done probably 100, 150, 200, maybe even centuries before that, of the role that fathers play in the development of their children. And this is super important to look at because as a dad, for me, I'm passionate about this stuff. I really I really want to be a great dad. I know I'm not going to be a perfect dad. I want to be a perfect dad, but I know it's not possible. I have to remind myself of that every single day when I, I fail or I yell at my kids when I didn't really mean to yell at them in that tone or you know correct them when they really weren't doing anything wrong. I make mistakes as a dad every day that I'm I'm just I'm not proud of because I felt like I could have done that better. I could have handled that situation better. My kids, they've uh, this last week they made me go shopping for a new microwave because they decided when I was just getting up in the morning they decided to put all their well not all their trains but a bunch of their wooden trains in the microwave and set it for some undetermined amount of time. When I got down there, it was like seven and a half minutes left, <laughs> and they were smoldering, Dave. It was smoky. It was terrible. I was I was frustrated. You know, I said some things that I was like, I had to apologize to my kids. I'm like, I'm sorry. I got so bent out of shape about that. At least you didn't burn the house down, but, you know, it's one of those things, like, in the heat of the moment, when we're in the midst of situations that are, even for us, I mean, I was looking at that, I'm like, Oh my goodness, my house is smoking. Like, is there a fire? Do I, I don't even have a fire extinguisher right now that I can reach for. It's like, I bet you're going to buy one of those. Yeah, I'm probably going to do that, get another one around the house so it's a little bit more readily available. But the reality is we're faced with situations, Dave, as parents that I feel like I wish I had a manual for. <laughs> and there just isn't always, you know, I don't, I don't have the exact instruction manual for my kids no. and what to do in these kinds of situations, what to watch for. I mean... I didn't. I'm, I should expect my kids to do things like that, but at the same time, it's like we've gone through times where I've said, "Don't play with the microwave," you know, and they still decide to do something like this. And you know, we just, you know, there was Christmas. There was Christmas presents that were in the microwave, smoldering. Uh, you've been there. If you're a parent, you're like, "Oh my goodness, I could totally relate to that right now." I mean, honestly, at my age, Jeff, and my experience, if I would have been in your house that day, I would have just said, "Boy, are they boys." Yeah. And then I would have just cleaned it up. And then I would have talked to him, obviously. I mean, I had that happen. We, we, I run a youth group, and, and one of my leaders is just, I mean, we all come in certain days. We're, we're not as um, ready on certain days. We've had a bad day at work or whatever. And we're running a youth club, and all of a sudden, there's a couple of kids in big trouble, and the, the leader is saying, you shouldn't come back and whatever. And I'm thinking, okay. So my wife, who organizes the club, came and said, you need to go talk to these kids and and. I had that leader leave, and I talked to him. Well, they had gone in the bathroom, and they discovered that if they plugged the toilet with a lot of toilet paper, they could keep flushing the toilet, and water went on the floor. Oh. And right, you know, yeah, I mean, totally, that's normal. Yeah, and I'm and I'm thinking, okay. And, and my first thought was, <laughs> you are such boys. I mean, you're eight year old boys, and and you saw that, you know, hey, look at, and he kept flushing the toilet, and going, cool, and you, you know. And so this leader, who happens to be a plumber, uh, went went in there, and he had a 
you know, he made him clean it up and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I almost had to give him a chance to count to 10 <laughs> and get away. Right. Um, because the boys weren't making any sense when they were talking about it. Because he'd gone, what'd you do that for? I don't know. <laughs> right. You know, did you know that would, if, you know, that would, yeah, we were watching it. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> so he had nowhere to go with this. <laughs> right. And he's trying to make sense of it. You're trying to make sense of the irrational. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And since it didn't make any sense, he was saying, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't even be here, you know, kind of thing. And I'm, so I let him go and that was fine and cooled down. And I just looked at him and said, what'd you learn? Uh, we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're on the same page, and and that was really about it. Because all I could think of is these boys are boys. Yeah, they, they did something. You know, yeah, maybe we should monitor the bathrooms a little better. Maybe they should not do that. You know, I mean, I understand that it would be really rare for girls to do that, but boys would. Yeah, and I know someone might get mad at me for saying that, but no, through the years, the boys can do stuff that are different like that. So in the long run, I think what we do is is start to adjust a little bit. We don't accept the behavior. If you hear me saying accept it, that's not what we do. We need to use everything like that as leverage. And, and really, as an adult, my mind went right away to, okay, should we let two guys be in the bathroom themselves at the same time? You know, I mean, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that we can try and avoid it in the future. But it's still, as long as it happened and it was boyish, let's talk to them and try and learn from it and go from there. And and I think that's what could help some fathers. Uh, even in your situation, when you saw that smoke and you saw that the house wasn't actually on fire, that you could recover from it and you lost a microwave. You know, to be able to go, you guys, you know, l- let me talk to you about this and realize that, you know, you're for a teaching moment, but they just acted my kids. Yeah, and that's the whole idea of failing and, and failing well. At that moment, I felt like I failed as a dad. Oh, you did. Quite honestly. I mean, I, I posted a picture <laughs> I posted a picture on social media about it, and I was I was thinking, man, I saw it. how vulnerable do I really want to be right now? Because I felt like in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, you know, I should have been downstairs. I should have been watching no. them. But- you know, I saw it, and I chuckled, and I told Linda, they were such boys. I mean, that's what I did. Yeah. I thought, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I wouldn't say that to them. I would say that to you. Right. It, I would say to them, you know what, this isn't a good thing. But to Linda, I said, you know, that's hilarious. I mean, look, these guys acted like their age. <laughs> yeah, and it was the two-year-old. It wasn't the four-year-old. It was yeah. the younger one that, <laughs> of yeah, course. it was, the, of course. So it would just work out that way. But the reality is, is I, I find out every day how little control I really have. If we're going to leave this show on a positive thing. Yeah, we've got an issue going on. We've got a lot of things that are going on in our young people. But dads, hear me out. If, you, if you're if you listening tonight and you're like, okay, what do I take away from this show? Number one, just remember the real fact that you get to be dad. You know, you don't get a pass on raising your kids. Your kids, they get to choose the dad they, to be their dad. You're the dad. So what you have to do is ask God, okay, what what is the best father that I can be? How can I do what I do, how can I provide for my family? How can I protect them? But how can I help to raise up godly, God-fearing kids who just love God and love people? I mean, that is, that's a million-dollar question, Dave. You're asking the same thing. Yep. And many dads are asking that same thing. And how to be the best husband then to my wife. That's another thing that I think is super, super critical that tends to be put on the back burner. Or maybe there's wounds that have happened between your spouse and you. And so that's kind of a touchy thing right now. Man, I want God to work forgiveness in your life. I want to see restored pieces happening. And if you need help with that, please contact us here at HopeNet360 and let us know, hey, my marriage is going through some stuff right now. 
I'm looking for a counselor. Maybe there's a resource that we can plug you in with that can help you there. But just find a way. You've got to work together. You don't get a chance to, to do this over again. So how do we make sense of the pieces that are broken right now and how we put them back together? you got to do that with God. you got to do that with, with community and make that happen. Dave, quickly, your final thoughts on tonight's show? Conversations save lives. Let's let talk to somebody who's been there and see what you can do to be a better dad tomorrow. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Also, anytime you need to, if there's something going on that you just feel like your life is just a whirlwind right now or you're just kind of in the midst of some chaos, our live coaches are right there. They're patient. They would love to just listen and hear what's going on in your life. Chat with one of our live coaches at HopeNet360.com. You can download this show and share it with your friends on our podcast and subscribe there. You can share it. You can listen back to past episodes. HopeNet360.com slash podcast is where it's at. Find tonight's show notes on our website as well. For all of us here on the show, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys online and next week. Bye-bye.